This is the Mess It Up Podcast, where we take your mess and turn it into a message. And now, here's the Bowtie Guy. Hey guys, welcome to the Mess It Up Podcast. It's a special show because today, we got two guests uh, together sharing a microphone. Uh, and we've got the swamp cooler going. We are in the messed up ministries building, so it's going to be a little bit noisy. So bear with us. Uh, if you need to turn up your uh, radio or iPod or whatever it is that you're listening to this on, go ahead and crank it up right now because we are ready to give you a show. So I want to welcome in uh, Kimberly, who you've heard before. Hello, messy listeners. And uh, her dad, Phil. Hello. Yeah. Man of many words. Uh, so we're, we're going to be talking about some stuff that we did uh, in just a little bit, but I want to throw uh, our word of the week out at you real quick because this one's kind of a cool one. Again, this was sent in by a listener. You, too, can send in words of the week. Uh, the word of the week this week is sublimation. And sublimation is uh, the conversion of a substance from solid to gas without becoming a liquid. Um, oh, and it, it says right there, an example is dry ice <laughs> uh, but we use uh, yeah, sublimation yeah. in my uh, uh, with printing we print it and it, it's it's printed on the paper and then we heat it up and it turns into a gas and and we can print on shirts and and cups and mugs and whatnot so uh, sublimation wahoo sublimation ink. yeah sublimation ink I gotta take a sip of my big gallon of water doing a lot better on the gallon of water today than I was uh, uh, yesterday but uh, it's still still a battle uh, to get the gallon of water and how much water do you guys drink uh, on an average I see your your silly little bottles of water there make me laugh now that I have my bottle of water but what's your typical water intake because I know it's usually better than mine uh, yeah about 64 ounces a day and you do not get to mock me I've seen you in the truck listen I am 128 every day all day now so now. yeah yeah <laughs> Phil do you drink a lot of water uh, no, I tend to drink coffee. Yeah, I drink, I call it filtered water. It's filtered <laughs> through go. coffee. Yeah, my daughter says it doesn't count. So anyhow, uh, stay hydrated, people. Yeah. 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 <laughs> What's with our daughters? daughters? Yeah, we need to teach them better. Uh, anyhow, we're, we're uh, talking about prison. I took these guys to prison. Um, I, I love my friend Danny Duchesne, who's the National Director of Celebrate Recovery Inside, always says, if you want to go to prison, I can help. Uh, and that's the way I like to be. So I helped them go to uh, prison. Phil told me, hey, man, I want to go to prison. And I was like, well, we got a couple of options. One is that you can stay there. The other, you can come home. And he decided coming home that night would be good. So when we had our graduation uh, back at the end of July for our prison fellowship class at uh, – the prison in California City. I brought you guys out to help celebrate with us, and um, you were very gracious in, in wanting to go. And so, I just wanted to get your thoughts about it, Phil. What was it that made you interested initially in going to prison? Because it's not something that a lot of people say that they want to do. Well, I have been interested in a long time uh, through prison ministries. I always looked at that as something that would be a uh, a needed. Thing in, this, mm -hmm. in uh, our society. And how long have you been uh, connected with uh, Prison Fellowship as a giver or an interested person? Or Gosh, back years. in the 1980s. Okay, okay. And yeah. what, what brought that to mind? Was it uh, a Chuck Colson thing or? It was Chuck Colson, yeah. Okay. Yeah. 
I had listened to a radio station out of L.A., which we didn't have any other stations at the time, and they had uh, Chuck Colson on there, and I was listening to what was going on with him. You know, he had just served his time, mm-hmm. and it, coming out of the prison, he started prison fellowship. Yeah. And that just, it, I mean, it interested me to the point that it was like, no, I need to support this ministry, not knowing that I would ever want to actually go to a prison uh-huh. until I met you. Did you have have, any, <laughs> have you had any any uh, experience uh, with either a, a, a temporary incarceration or spent the night in a drunk tank or or never had, never not, okay. neither one okay Kimberly have you ever had been inside that you want to admit in front of your dad? No. Okay. I, the only reason I probably is if I had choked him. Then I'd probably end up in jail. This is not an admission of anything. (laughs) Hey, you love your dad. They drive you crazy. Yeah. So so what was it that made it uh, of interest to you, Kimberly? Uh, Working with you and having you tell me about your experience and and more than that. um, So wait a minute. Both of you are saying knowing me makes you want to go to prison? Yes. (laughs) I don't know if that reflects well on my my character or nature. Like, gosh, anything to get away from this guy. Lock me up, please. Actually, though, hearing Bev's experience also mm. has been the other motivator for me because as a as a woman, I think it's easier to feel fearful of jails and even driving out there that day, that was just a foreboding, um, you know, the appearance of the building, the road out there, it's desolate, it feels just secluded, and I know it's supposed to be that way, but, you know, knowing that Bev has been going with you for several years now and that it's not about the building it's about um the experience with those men through Mm -hmm. god that actually is what made me really interested in being able to go yeah i'm always interested when i see prisons or jails in places like the jail in hilo is like right there i mean you can throw a ball over the fence into the yard at the hilo jail and in carson city there's a jail right off of the interstate that's it's just right there and I'm the, the prisons where I've served are out there. You know, they're, that's what's there is the prison. Mm-hmm. And um, it, it is a little bit. I remember the first time driving up there. Now, it had a little bit more of a, a grip on me just because I was going back inside a place that I had been in. And not for that specific one, but it did have an ominous and foreboding feeling. What was it like for you, Phil, seeing Had you been out there before to see the prison? No. Okay. But the, what I felt was isolation Mm. and it continued to get more isolating the further we went into the prison Mm -hmm. and to the point of there's really nobody in these halls they were basically empty other than a couple workers and stuff so that to me that was a you know an experience until we walked into the room with all the other men that were yeah if Uh, there were more men would it have felt a little bit less there would have been some motion around there. Yeah. I mean, even going into the office, you know, the, the yeah. you got the officer that checked you in, you know, not a whole lot of conversation going on. Right. So, it, and it's like, well, why aren't we, you know, why, I should say, why didn't I feel like talking? Yeah. You know, it was just like, well, maybe this is sort of like a library. <laughs> <laughs> we, um, you know, the, as the the population at that prison shrank, 
there, there used to be noise and commotion, guys walking in the hallway and stuff. And to me, it feels like being in the movie The Shining and just a big, empty building yeah. walking in big, empty hallways. And, yeah. and you don't hear the noise of life. You don't hear chatter or conversation or scuffling of feet or anything like that. It's just the echo of your own footsteps. And, and it can be a little bit creepy. Intimidating. And, and thankfully, it's well lit. Uh, if it wasn't well lit, that would be even worser, I think. I, I, I do not like unwell lit, quiet, big places. Right. Mm. Well, even the parking lot had that feeling to it. I mean, you're out there and there's no sign of life. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's like there's lots of cars and nobody moving around. And like my dad said, it's going into the office itself the officer you, yeah you felt like I don't need to I don't want to step out of line like the prisoners do because I'm going to get in trouble for something mm -hmm. and it was a, a, a just a strange sensation but then as you proceed and you know we've passed by the prisons in Atalano you have mm -hmm. all the razor wire and all that but you're driving past you zip right. past it uh, being closer to it was I, I think a little bit more of a reality shock of this is really what they see every day yeah and and um, we have a we have a Hollywood depiction a lot of times of prisons, mm -hmm. and it's not at all what we ended up seeing and being, you know. So, what was your perception with. before going in? Did you have a picture drawn in your mind of like this is what it's going to look like, or were you going based off of TV and movies, or were you just I, completely I blank? didn't have any any real anticipation of what it was going to be like, other than. Um, control mm -hmm. uh, even for myself there I felt there was going to be some kind of type of control you know uh, where you could take and go and where you can't go and you know not that we got into any place that felt like there was somewhere different but that definitely had a uh, feeling to me yeah about you know don't step out of line so <laughs> <laughs> yeah and I would say the same I didn't have an anticipation because like I just said we have a, a Hollywood depiction in our heads which we know is not real however I think that the only time that I actually did feel like he just said about staying and being controlled was when you you said make sure you stay in the lines because the lines next to the wall between the lines and the wall is where the prisoners are all of a sudden I got that creeped out feeling going Okay, yeah, I definitely don't want to have to stay here. So it was right. just, I mean, it was, it, was a, it was a reality check of, yeah. you know, yes, they have specific rules that they're supposed to follow. And if they do step out of line, they will be punished if it's a repeated problem. But then I'm, I'm like, well, that's no different than anything in life. It doesn't yeah. matter if you're behind the walls of a jail or outside of them. I mean, we all have things that we're supposed to follow. When we don't, there's consequences. And, you know, it's just... One of those. And those lines were one of the most difficult things for me because I was used to being on the wall side of the line. And so when I first came, it was really everything I could do to make myself walk in the center of the corridor rather than on the edges of the corridor because I was so used to, and the institution where I was, we had to have a shoulder in contact with the wall. You had to walk with your shoulder on the wall, uh, you know, touching uh, because they wanted you up against that wall. And uh, so, yeah, to walk in the middle was very strange for me. And even for you, I mean, you weren't in jail as long as some of these other people have been in jail. Absolutely. But it, look at how much that affected how you are returning, mm -hmm. you know, and just, I mean, I don't think people realize how much of an effect even nine months can have on yeah. a person that 
if you return, your perspective is different because you've lived in yeah. that life. Well, it was 15 years later that from the time I got out to when I went back in and the smell hit me immediately. It's like that institutional smells like this is what it smells like. This is what it sounds like. This is what it feels like. And I was in, you know, the jail where I was was very similar to this because it was all inside. We go to Tehachapi, you got a lot more outside people wandering around and they can go out on the yard and, and, and have a little bit more freedom, but it's a, a more secure prison. And so there you've got the razor wire, but then you've also got the electric fence with very clear signs on it lethal electricity on this and you can see the you know animals who have tested it that (laughs) didn't make it Hmm. and and that always feels like i'm always like okay really don't touch anything here i'm like sucking myself in and and just being very observant and it does have that you know that ominous just foreboding kind of feeling yeah it's not and it's not designed to be welcoming. So, right. I mean, good on them. I guess they nailed the brand. Uh, but it's it doesn't make it, as a, as a visitor, it doesn't make it feel great. Now, I have had experiences coming in there. Uh, and it's difficult for you listeners because you weren't in there. But when you come into the, the prison where we were, there's a, what they call a sally port, which is two gates that open. So you go in. And, and if you think the... Uh, like an airlock in a science fiction movie going out. So you, you go in one and then they close it behind you and then you go into the next one. Then you walk into the building proper and uh, there's another corridor that they open up and, and close and then open and then you're into the, the main prison. And I heard one time I came in on Sunday with church was going on and I could hear the guys singing and clapping from there and I was like, oh, that's awesome. And um, so sometimes you can feel uh, at home is not the right word, but you can feel joy in that. And it, it's the whole James thing of finding joy in whatever the circumstance. And I have felt at times more joy in a prison service, in a church service in prison than I have in a church service at home because those guys want to be there. Well, it gives them freedom. They're, yeah, they're doing it. And, and a lot of people out in the world it's what you do on Sunday morning before you go out to lunch or mm-hmm. watch football or a race or a baseball game or whatever it is or take a nap. It's just what you do, uh, serving time instead of serving time. Right. Uh, so, yeah. Well, I'm going to take a little break here. We're going to throw it to our, our, um, our song of the week. The song of the week was brought to me by Kimberly, and it is a song called Rescue by Desperation Band. So we're going to give you about 90 seconds. We'll be back on the other side to talk about uh, your experience in the prison as well as this song. So here is Rescue by Desperation Band.
right, Desperation Band with Rescue. Thank you very much for bringing that, Kimberly. Phil, what stood out on this, or what did you, uh, what, 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 what do you think on this one? Well, I feel the peace of God that I can stand before Him, even with the faults that I have. He's there and willing to take me. Mm-hmm. Kimberly. Well, the reason I selected this song was when you had asked us to do the podcast. Um, it was the first song that came to my mind for some reason. Um, the line of "Where else can I go?" I I felt that we we feel that a lot of times, but going into the prison, they have nowhere else to go. Mm-hmm. And really, for for the men that we are going to interact with. Um, the only thing they are turning to is Christ. I mean, they really are at the bottom. Yeah. Um, not everybody comes to that place, but just the uh, the lyrics of this song really do touch me. I, It's not my typical music that I like, uh-huh. but I do love the song. And I think just the name of the band, Desperation Band, I'm like, yeah, there's something about that that makes us be more reflective. And, yeah. Um, so this song just seemed to fit my my experience of going. Right, yeah, and it... You know, it's it's very low key, laid back, and I I sometimes I don't tend to listen to that as much either. But sometimes I like that because it just gives me a chance to just pause and reflect and think about what's going on, maybe ruminate on on that uh, particular thing. The thing that sticks out to me is at the very end, uh, the the tag is "This world has nothing for me. I will follow you." And I, you know, I, I don't know how much of my life I've spent following the wrong things. And even to this day, I can get distracted by something shiny and go chasing it. And I remember one time being in the forest. We were we were camping with my parents and a group. And my brother and I went out and we were doing something. And I went and whatever it was, I started running from him because we were like playing tag or whatever it was. And I'm running, running, running through the forest. All of a sudden I stop and I'm like, where am I? I had no bearings, no clue where it was. I couldn't hear anything. And I felt completely lost. And I do that in life where I'll just get distracted by something shiny, go chasing it. And then all of a sudden it's like, where am I? And, and the nice thing is, is, is God's always there. Uh, he's always got my back. He's always got my front, always got my sides, top and bottom, completely surrounded uh, by it. So, Well, yeah. and re- recapping what you had said, too, about, you know, the, the environment of the prison itself. I was thinking this and, you know, it's still reiterated even with the song is that you would you would think that being in that environment, you wouldn't want to return. And, you know, with my design background, spaces are designed in specific ways to drive people to do certain things. And a prison is to be a place that you are not stimulated in any manner. And you don't want to return there. But what's sad is how many people do because they don't know how to end up interacting in the world around them once they return back home. Yeah, which is hopefully what we're going to be able to do more with with uh, messed up ministries and in this building that we're in right now and after we fix the leak uh, (laughs) amongst other things came in and found a leak Uh, but yeah it's and hopefully we lose some of that well I don't know that I want to lose my desperation but the feeling of desperation I want to be desperate for God I want to make it so he is my my need Uh, but yeah that we can we can hopefully meet the needs of of those men and and their families so you went in 
you spent time, you got to mingle with uh, some of the guys, and unfortunately it was a small group. Uh, normally when we go in for a HOPE event, we've got 100, 150 guys uh, in the room there, mm-hmm. and so we can create quite a ruckus and, and do a lot more fellowshipping, but you guys got to spend a little bit more uh, quality time with some people. What was your, how did it strike you just interacting with the fellows that were there? To me, I, I felt that they were content with, you know, with themselves. They they talked freely. They uh, were, uh, you know, friendly. They befriended us quickly. Mm-hmm. It wasn't anything like, oh, well, you know, I got to get to know you before I can say something to you, which that's sort of how I felt at first. But I, that, that, that dropped very quickly. Mm-hmm. And I just, you know, I looked at it and I said, oh, these guys are content. Not everybody, I'm sure, in that prison was content that these guys were because they knew that their life was, you know, given over to Christ instead of to the world. Yeah. And there, there was no chaos in their, their demeanor. Yeah. Well, and, and part of that contentment, too, is because you were there. Mm-hmm. You were meeting a need just in contact and communication. Mm-hmm. And acknowledgement of their humanity and it I mean if, if there's you want to do something for inmates it's great to give money to prison fellowships so we can do work it's great to send Bibles it's great to write letters and like going in and just doing whatever they're doing it's the number one thing you can do to brighten a person's day and it's you can see it yeah and and just Mm -hmm. because there's so many people that go in there and don't treat them like humans you went in there and treated them like you would probably do if you walked in to church on Sunday morning and say hi to people yeah which I was I was uh, quite taken by that fact in itself they they walked right over to us and started introducing themselves and wanted to talk to us and ask us questions and yeah. I thought wow this is surprising yeah and that yeah. was the thing is that that wasn't even your group because we came into the room when a chapel was a service was happening so right. there was a totally different group of men that were in that room and like my dad said we're sitting off to the back because we don't know what to do or how we're supposed to interact and yeah here's these guys coming over and shaking our hands and I'm so-and-so and they wanted our names and yes it was it was I mean they made us feel important in the space and you know but I, you're you're right I think the biggest thing is people not they don't treat well even out in society we don't we don't see the the human that's standing there you know you have the person that's that is suffering we avoid them instead of just smiling at them yeah and and we avoid people and you just go but why uh, there's no reason to do that I mean unless they're coming at you with a knife <laughs> like why am i turning away from yeah. this person and and if they're coming at you with a knife there's i mean most of the reasons that people do stuff is because of something you know if somebody's doing something it's because of something what what is wrong and i i it's easy for me to look at oh this jerk just cut me off what's this idiot's problem why are they driving so slow and then i think okay well what is what is making that person respond to the world the way they're responding why what is going on are they broken are they and we know that hurt people will hurt people and so if someone is trying to hurt someone that means that person's probably hurting and we can react to them 
by hurting them back or we can try to fix that hurt and and like you guys did you just go in and spend some time i remember when i saw people come in the first time i went to church and there were people there that weren't you know wearing uniforms i'm like these people took time out of their day to come out and spend time with me they don't even know me that's weird and it's amazing it's i can't believe that someone would do that it's like they've got to have better stuff to do than come to jail you know and you're saying the guards no well no for me when i was in oh God. Uh, you know it was just like you're not the chaplain you're not a co you are you know the you're a person from the streets coming in and doing church with us right. and and that just really really impressed me and that's where i I'm doing this someday. When I get out, I'm I'm that guy. I'm gonna come in and, and bring that feeling of like because it made me feel important and human again. Well, and you're such an interactive person, anyways. You're not the type of person that's just going through the motions. You take in the experiences that of everything. I mean, I see that on a weekly basis, working with you and and helping you in other aspects of life. But you know where other people may not end up absorbing that and saying, hey, this is a gift that was given by somebody coming in from the outside to be with us. They're just wanting out of their, their cell. You you saw it differently at that point in time, just like the people that were in the chapel that when we showed up, as well as your group that you know, you've interacted with. And the other thing we did see though is because they're moving on to other jails, there was a somberness to them too. There was life. There, there was life in that room, yeah. but there was also a sadness, and it was hard because, you know, I felt this wave of emotions going through the, the you know, that two hours that I, I was sad and happy all at the same time for you and for them because I, I said there, there's a finality unless they find your ministry when they yeah. get out. And so that, I think that actually that was what impacted me the most because there was part of it, like, even now I feel like I'm welling up, I'm going, I feel sad. Yeah, yeah. But I'm like, but it's not about you. It's not about me. It's not about any of these things. I'm like, it is about Christ. And when you bring somebody to him and they find that peace that only he can give, that's it's that's very different. So if you were going to name a, a takeaway from your experience, uh, you've got, uh, you know, an elevator ride up to the 10th floor of the doctor's office building. And you want to tell someone about your experience in the prison. What's your your 10 flight elevator pitch about what happened in the prison for you guys for me god's everywhere and every person is able to find him through people that share his goodness and his grace that that's my takeaway i think that, that yeah it's not an elevator ride it was yeah, a it was Why are you a, talking to people about prison a, on the elevator? <laughs> Tell you what, people, if you want to have some fun on an elevator, talk about prison. As soon as those doors close, hey, who wants to talk to me about prison? Yeah. <laughs> I, my experience, and I did have an experience, um, the day that the uh, doctor took and told me I had cancer. Mm-hmm. And he looked at me and he says, you're not surprised. And I said, why should I be surprised? I said, isn't this life? Isn't the thing that we're going through part of life? I said, I'm no better than the next guy. And that's even true when I think about prison, how many times that I could have been caught doing something that I didn't even know was considered potential for a prison. So 
we're all in that situation. We need to take and recognize that just because they got caught, mm -hmm. that's what you can express to these people on that elevator, is that, no, no, you deserve the same thing that they're getting. Only thing is, you weren't caught. Yeah. And now you can take and bring some relief to that person. Yeah. And you can give relief to that person in the elevator, too, if they understand what you're talking about. Yeah. Yeah, and, and for me, just the um, the idea that... I, I, I never remember who said this, but, but there was a person who said that prison should be the punishment. Going to prison is the punishment. You shouldn't be punished in prison. It's You know, you've been taken away from society, from your family, from your friends, from people, and, and you're that's the punishment but if all we're doing is sending people and punishing them and not doing anything to rehabilitate them because they're coming home 90% of those people are coming home right. living next door to us yep. and I I don't want an inmate living next door to me I want a human living next door to me right. and if all they are is that number and, um, and they don't feel like a human they don't feel like there's any chance they don't feel like there's any opportunity and they don't feel loved then they're not the chances of them being successful go down. I can't say that they won't because God's better than I am and he can make <laughs> things happen. But I think it's a better chance of success if we can get people to understand that people are people. And and that goes for the inmates as well as for us as receivers. You know, if if I mean my experience coming home was not awesome. And for a lot of these guys, it's not going to be awesome when they come home. They're not going to have a lot of people saying, you know what, I think I want to hire you because you're a felon. You know, it's not typically what happens. Isn't it a shame that the person does the time that they were required and we have no room to forgive them? Yeah. And as Christians, that's where we have to take and look at it and say, oh, no, they deserve another chance. How many chances, Lord, have you given me? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I had an exercise when I was in high school. Um, I ended up doing a retreat away from class, and it was a, for a few days in uh, a camp. And one of the exercises that we ended up having was to place labels on each other. And some of them were good, and some of them were bad. And and I shouldn't say bad. They were just negative aspects of our personality. Yeah. But I remember the main one that I ended up receiving that was the negative was that I was aloof. And it was a very fitting label for me but that's the thing is that we we label people that have come out of jail with a very specific label they're a criminal what if we all walked around with labels that people really want to put on us and and have everybody see them we nobody wants that so if you're only seeing that the person has been in jail and that they are a criminal you and I have had this conversation repeatedly you know, I get really defensive when people slap a label on somebody. I'm like, yeah. you're not seeing anything else. And it must be really nice to be you because would you like me to give you the labels that I, I see on you? Yeah. I, I mean, and I don't want that either. But I, 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 I do remind people of that with those that are I interact with in my life that when people just say something really flippant and I, I get really irritated. But I think that's why for myself of being able to go into the jail, I mean, it was. It was about seeing the human. It wasn't about seeing a guy that's been arrested for whatever. Yeah. I mean, like the one guy with the yellow spoon in his pocket. I still wish I could remember his name. You know, he's been in since 1989. Yeah. 
And that was startling to me, but I said, you know what, Lord, you still have him here. He's in this room and he's celebrating that he knows you. That's yeah. what matters at this moment. So, yeah. And, and I see a lot of people who go to church that I wouldn't label Christians. And so just because you do right. something doesn't mean that's the thing you are. Right. Um, it's, you know, we need to be able to separate who a person is from what they've done or we aren't what we eat. It's just part of what goes into building us, and that's an experience we had. But you know, it's not. Who I, you I've been are. to Disneyland, but I'm not Walt Disney. You know, I'm not Mickey Mouse. <laughs> so, you know, we we got to be able to differentiate between those things, and and, and if we want to move on. And that's where your ministry comes in: is that you're reminding them that they don't aren't they don't have to identify just being a criminal. Yeah. You know, I'm not just a criminal going back home. I am. Vince and I have these goofy skills about myself. I'm going to put a cupcake on top of my head. Yeah, you know, but I'm able to be funny and I'm I I have humor. I mean, I'm going to use him as the example, but that particular person, he's more than just a drug user since he was 13. He's no longer that person. Uh-huh. He he can go back to it if he chooses, but he doesn't yeah. have to, and he knows that. You know, and you embed breathing life into him with the word of God is what you know you said it I mean those things just being changed so if you could go back uh, for another day um, what would be different do you think in your mind now that you've had the experience how do you think it would be different going back in for the second time boy for me I think it would be a, a little bit more open uh, I've experienced the the, uh, the you know first time. Mm-hmm. Now I would go back and say, wait a minute, no, I can be a positive influence on these men, in not making myself better than them, not you know putting myself over them in any way. It would be just, hey, let me tell you some of my experiences in my life that I can take and share with you that you may experience when you come out. Yeah. Which is more than likely they will, you know? How do you get through these things without getting in yourself into trouble or getting sent back? Yeah, yeah. And, and, that, and that was truly what I was trying to take and say on uh, when I shared uh, Psalm 1, mm-hmm. you know? And it, I look at that and it's just like, there are certain things that we do in life and if we don't stop ourselves before we get to the first place of walking with somebody, if we don't know who that person is, we shouldn't be walking with them. Right. Let me. Yes, I want to get to know you, but let me know who you are before I start walking with you. Yeah. Uh, for myself, it would be probably just what goals do you want to obtain and how do you want to get there? I think a lot of times people end up just going through their day-to-day. They don't have something that they're projecting for. Um, Because there is always an, I mean, like you said, there's usually an end date for most of these guys coming out. Mm -hmm. But what do you anticipate and how are you going to get to that point? I mean, it's easy to just say things in theory, but what are you doing now to try and start changing those things? Yeah. Um, And, I mean, we're all guilty of, you know, making plans and never following through on them. Uh, (laughs) But... It doesn't mean that we can't, without without other people's encouragement, you know, sometimes we really don't know how to move forward. Right. But, and 
you know, I know I have lots of people that will end up saying, oh, I want to do this, and I do want to encourage that. And I don't do it because I'm not trying to hound them, but I, I, want, to, I want to see that you're able to actually obtain that. So yeah. I think that would probably be more of my conversation with some of the people. Cool. And have you, since you've been in, have you seen a TV or movie with a prison on it and looked at it and judged it and said, that's right or that's wrong? No. Okay. Yeah, I'm always... <laughs> we don't watch a lot of TV. <laughs> always looking and seeing what's what's there when I see it. And it's, it's funny, some of the things that they'll do and like, uh, that would never work. Uh, all right, you did that because it was, it was easier to move that plot line along. But yeah, it's funny how we become, you know, technical experts on things and and look at what's going on. Well, uh, thank you guys for uh, for doing this. If you listeners want to get involved, uh, there's a lot of ways to. You can go to prisonfellowship.org and uh, get involved there. They can. Uh, there's there's a prison near you. Wherever you are, there is a prison or a jail near you, uh, and we need volunteers inside uh, to do stuff with us. So you can start with prison fellowship. You can contact contact us at Messed Up Ministries. You can send me an email. It's bowtieguy at messituppodcast.com. Uh, you can call or text me just to get more specific information. My phone number is 760-608-1942. And if you want to just help to support what we're doing and become a financial giver, become part of the Nehemiah Projects to rebuild the walls of this uh, lovely building we're in, text the word MUM to 760-WALLS-CA. That's 925-5722. And uh, we really appreciate all that you do to give to us. I could use more words of the week. I definitely could use more songs of the week because I'm almost out of those. And folks, we're coming up at the end of summer here. It's about to become fall. We're about to get about to get in some oranges and some browns. I saw at Starbucks, I saw the pumpkin spice. It's there. <laughs> they haven't started selling it, but it's there. Get ready for the weather to get a little bit cooler. Maybe start making some more soup, wearing some more jackets, some sweaters, uh, and we'll be here with you every Tuesday. So thanks for being here with us. Thank you, parents. Uh, for being here and we will see you guys next time we mess it up thanks for checking out the mess it up podcast if you've got any questions or feedback please email info at mess don't forget to share with your friends and we'll see you next time we mess it up mess it up